Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Last time on Sacred Scandal, police were searching the grounds of Miami's Holy Cross Academy for the murderer of Sister Michelle Lewis. But before going forward, we want to take you back and paint a picture of the school as it was. This story is about more than just a murder, and understanding Holy Cross from the inside sets the stage for everything that's to come. Let's get started. Let's let's backtrack a little bit. I want to know how you you first heard of Holy Cross Academy, like how you came across this school. My husband and I, of course, were school shopping. I was very geared to a Catholic school education because I went to Catholic school. So then I found a mom that told me there's a school on Sunset Drive, and I said, you know where. And so we drove by there one day and I said, this is like a trailer. There's this big trailer in the front, which was the entrance and the office. And then towards the back, there were almost, I wanna say like, um, like linear trailers. And each trailer uh, had a classroom. So it was a first grade, second grade, third grade, and then fourth, fifth, and sixth and then a, a small trailer where they did lunches for the kids. And um, there was also an additional trailer, I believe, with a very small library. What year was this? 1987. So then I talked to my husband about it. He goes, it sounds great. It sounds like it's starting. It's a small school, a classical education. This sounds great. I mean, they teach Greek, they teach Latin, they teach French. This is amazing. Let's go for it. Let's figure out. And now introduce yourself and tell me your relationship to Holy Cross. Um, my name is Marieta Fernandez, and um, my relationship to Holy Cross Academy is that both of my children went to Holy Cross. My son graduated from there, and it was the first graduating class that went all the way from kindergarten to 12th grade. And then my daughter, she also went to Holy Cross. You know, like most of the families that went all the way through, Holy Cross was part of our family. I'm Paula Barros. And I'm Melanie Bartley. And this is Sacred Scandal. It took them forever to build the buildings. We were in trailers for God knows how long. It was a bit mysterious because, you know, the school was half monastery, half school. 
So uh, there was always a bit of a mystery as to what was going on beyond the fence, beyond the wall. I honestly think that all they cared about was appearances. All they wanted it to look like was that we were all perfect students. We had perfectly pressed uniforms and we behaved you know, perfectly and we had this beautiful, perfect school. It affected me so much to the core that something so terrible could happen in a place where everyone felt so safe. I still don't think anybody in Miami knows that this place is here. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so like, out of place. Never seen a castle on Sunset Drive? Like, does it disappear at night? Since the campus at Holy Cross Academy came a long way from those early days in the mid-1980s, when it was just a bunch of trailers in an open field. By the time I started school there, almost 10 years after Marietta Fernandez first drove by, it expanded into what stands today. A building that looked like an old European university was picked up and dropped onto a palm tree-lined strip of suburban South Florida. Here we are. Here we are. Oh my God! Horses. Oh my God! It's painted. It's gray. This is the monastery. This is it. This is where. I know I might not totally sound like it here, but I was so nervous driving back to look at Holy Cross that day. I'd not been back there in about 15 years, and the thought of just seeing my old high school brought on a wave of emotions. But part of me just wanted to be able to walk through that courtyard once again and remember what it felt like to be 17 years old again. That's where the monks lived, that was the chapel, and that's where Father Evan and Father Damien lived. Let's try to go into the parking lot, absolutely. Hi. Um, I used to go here a long million years, millions of years ago, and I'm just like, wow, like this is a, a still here. Uh, yeah. The castle. Uh, wow. Uh, am I like, can I like maybe get out and like look at the school? I don't think so. No? no. Nah, nah, it's a different world than when you were here. Totally. They've up security. It was Holy really Cross. Huh? Holy Cross Academy. It had a different name. It's a uh, schools are a scary place nowadays. Yeah, I graduated in like 2001, so <laughs> that's a long time ago. I know. I, I graduated in Jersey. When I go home, I always have to go around the neighborhood. Right. So thank you for being friendly. Though we couldn't walk around the school, we were able to take a peek inside the monastery's chapel. It's now a different church and no longer part of the current school there. As students, we went there every day for morning prayers and daily announcements from Father Abbot went but it's the walls that I remember the most. They were painted in these beautiful and ornately colorful Byzantine icons, showing all kinds of scenes from the Bible. It was really hard to pay attention in the chapel because I was so focused on these murals. There's beautiful angels floating, but also creepy skulls and blood and gore. I mean, we could just go see if we can, like, see the iconography, I guess, of the church. Yeah. Oh, fine. Come on. Be brave. I don't wanna. Oh. 
So, something's different, babe. And it they got rid of the like, iconography. Yeah. But I still can't believe that this is the pictures from the yearbook of you guys. This is the place, yeah. yeah but it looks so tiny. Place. Yeah, this was the place. It looks so like grandiose in the in the uh, yearbook. Pictures. Okay, let's go. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling the vibe. Okay, let's go. Okay. Something about being back at Holy Cross just didn't feel right. It made me anxious and darkly nostalgic. It doesn't feel like you're gonna get in trouble. Yeah, almost. Like, like, like they're watching. I feel like Father Wen and Father Damien are still watching. You know, like they're they're somehow still tied to this place, and they're like watching from somewhere, and that they know that we were there. Why do I get that vibe? Yeah, Why, get it's completely attention. irrational. It's completely irrational. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I feel that way. I don't think most people have this kind of feeling about their high school. But having talked to so many former students and teachers while making this show, I've realized that I'm not alone in thinking that Holy Cross Academy and the men who founded it left a lasting impression on us. <laughs> I guess you had to be there. So on this episode, we're going to sift through how a pair of monks went from forming a simple monastery to a multi-million dollar operation and get a sense of what life was like at Holy Cross. After a break, a view from the inside. Stay with us. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back to Sacred Scandal. I'm Paula Barros. And I'm Melanie Bartley. Father Abbot Gregory Went was drawn to the sound of the Eastern Catholic liturgy as a teenager in the 1950s. He studied music in the U.S. and the Netherlands and visited universities across Europe. Reverend Went, as he was known back then, went on to run music programs and teach at colleges in Oklahoma. By the early 1970s, he returned to Miami, the city where he grew up. He helped found a choir at St. Basil the Greats, the city's only Byzantine Catholic parish. Father Went was a type of person who made things happen when he wanted to. In two years, he worked to double the size of the choir 
and even recorded an album with them. These are the voices you're hearing right now. But by the end of the decade, Father Wendt's goals and vision changed, and he felt the call toward a monastic life. The Holy Cross Monastery wasn't the first attempt that Father Wendt made to uh, establish a monastery. This is Peter Davidson, who wrote a book about the murder at Holy Cross and dug deep into the priest's past. He tried one, um, I think, in the late 70s or early 80s up in Lantana in Palm Beach County. But he had difficulty attracting people to join him in this venture, and eventually the monastery was closed. He did get one follower, and that was uh, James Gabalt, who became known as Father Damien. Father Damien was studying for for the priesthood at a seminary in Boynton Beach, Florida, and he was just six months away from graduating. This was in December of 1980, when he was asked to leave. And apparently he had a serious drinking problem, according to the documents that I found. And he was asked to leave because his problem created doubts about his ability to serve as a priest. So he was booted out of the uh, seminary. He was asked to leave the seminary, and he did. After being kicked out of the Roman Catholic seminary, Damien would switch rites, become a Greek Catholic, and make his way to Wendt's small monastery in Lantana. And also it gave him an opportunity to become part of the Byzantine church because he'd been studying in the Roman Catholic rite. So this gave him kind of a new life to go into another aspect of the church. And uh, he would wash the dishes and do arts and ends there. And after the monastery was closed in Lantana, they moved to Miami-Dade County and started working on setting up a monastery here. In Miami, the pair would contact the Byzantine Catholic Eparchy of Passaic, New Jersey. They asked permission for the two of them to form a new monastery. The Eparchy is like a diocese. So, around Miami, all the Roman Catholic churches are under the Archdiocese of Miami, which is run by an archbishop. But in the Byzantine Rite, the eparchies cover a lot more territory because there are fewer churches. So, all of Florida's Byzantine Catholic organizations fall under this eparchy that's based in New Jersey, which has a bishop. In the early 80s, Bishop Michael Dudek was running things in Passaic, And he signed off on the pair establishing what would become the Monastery of the Exaltation of the Most Holy Cross. At the time, the monastery was just a small house they were living in. According to reporting in the Sun Sentinel from back in 2001, Wendt then became the monastery's abbot, and he ordained Gibalt as a Byzantine priest. But a monastery is supposed to be a sort of self-sustaining operation where the organization takes care of the monks who live there in a life of prayer and service to the order. Without enough money, Wendt and Damien couldn't grow their monastery or sustain more members. So they needed to find a way to keep it going long term. Their idea was Holy Cross Academy. 
Father Wendt and Father Damien were working as teachers and saving to start their own small religious academy. According to Peter Davidson, they went back to Bishop Dudek and were given his permission to open a school. At the time, he approved them to teach kindergarten through the eighth grade. Tuition was below the most elite private and Catholic schools in Miami. And they promised a classical education in Greek, Latin, the classics, and philosophy. With that, Holy Cross Academy was able to attract middle-class families who were searching for a different educational experience. And I do have to thank my parents for having sent me there, because the education I got at Holy Cross has helped me so much throughout my life. A friend of Father Wendt from the Netherlands helped them finance the school, and the bank loan of $1.4 million guaranteed by the eparchy got them even closer to their vision for the academy. A vision that the small community of Holy Cross and parents like Marietta Fernandez felt very much a part of. When you were talking about um, this dream that Father Abbott wanted to create, do you, do you remember how he would describe it or how would you describe this, this Holy Cross dream? The building itself. Have you, you've seen the building, like a mini Oxford University. He would talk about how important it was to have the open space school. You were part of the earth. You were part of the environment. The school was welcoming. The building in itself had a life. And that life was the children that walked through it on a daily basis, the students, the parents. He wanted that. He wanted that vibration. He had an idea of what he wanted to create. And he felt that the way through was going to be through this type of classical education. And the idea to move forward and create and build the school was very important to him. And we knew that there was a plan and we knew that it was going to happen. And we had a big, big meeting and all the parents went to the meeting and I remember standing up and saying, why are we talking so much about how we're going to get there, how we're going to do it, how we're going to get the money? And I just said, if you build it, they will come. We will make the money. He started laughing. He goes, this is great. He said, this is the attitude that we need. And she was right. The building got built and the people did come not just from Miami, but all the way from Ukraine. More on that after the break. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back. As Holy Cross Academy's student body and staff grew over its first decade, things began to shift. Father Abbott went no longer needed to teach and moved into a role strictly as headmaster. And Father Damien became limited to running the religious services for the school. So new employees came in. They took over daily operations and managed the priest's vision for their academy. Okay, well, my name is... Nan Gardner, and my full title at Holy Cross was Assistant Headmaster and Dean of Students. What do you What do you remember about about Paula? I'm just curious. How What was Paula like in school? I could just picture her uniform. You know, some people are not meant for that level of having to uh, obey. Uh, um, <laughs> you were always pleasant. You just didn't want to follow along with the uniform. That's all right. Dang it. Yeah. And I gave you hell and I'm so sorry. Your sister's uniform always looked good. <laughs> Speaking about the, the discipline, um, how would you describe or, or I guess how would you compare the discipline at Holy Cross to other schools you worked at? Was it more strict? Oh, it's much more strict. Yeah. In what way? Uh, well, for one thing, I couldn't believe the number of detentions on that list every week, but you know, it was just part of the program to, to get those up there. And frankly, the, the parents at the school, for the most part, seemed to be very supportive of the um, disciplinary measures. I mean, kids knew that if they uh, got into a, any kind of a physical altercation, they were going to be suspended. Um, they knew there were cameras in all the rooms that we could see if there was mischief done somewhere uh, by checking the cameras. And uh, most schools don't have that. What did you think about the cameras? Um, I, they served a good purpose for things like finding mischief or seeing uh, classroom management so far as teachers go and stuff like that. But we didn't really sit on those cameras very much. I was the main person that operated the cameras, looking at them and stuff. And usually it was more a matter of looking back at something, like if somebody put graffiti on the bathroom wall, you know, we could look back and see who was in the bathroom at that time and possibly um, see what somebody had done. So I think it it kept uh, kids from doing a lot of things that might have done otherwise, you know, shenanigans. I would hate it as a teacher. I think it's unfair on them to have a camera on them. And uh, and I would like to clear up in the bathrooms. You could not see any private areas. And there was one teacher, it was a, a preschool teacher, who used to tell the kids that Father Abbott or Mrs. Gardner was always watching them on the camera. And I thought, what a horrible thing to tell little four-year-olds, you know? 
But not all staff saw the cameras as a tool for keeping students in line. It reminded me of Big Brother, right? Big Brother watching you and controlling you. And But since I didn't have anything to hide, for me, it was like, whatever, you want to sit there and watch me? Go right ahead. I didn't have an issue with that. <laughs> but, uh, but, I, but I did find it weird. So my name is Nazi Romalo Sierra, and I only taught at Holy Cross for one year. Miss Sierra was my Spanish teacher for that one year that she was at Holy Cross. I liked her so much, and she had such a big impact on me that I honestly thought she was there the entire time that I was. But for some reason, she didn't make it, and I wanted to know why. Part of it, she said, was because those rules about the dress code weren't just for students. We weren't allowed to wear pants the year I was there. We had to wear pantyhose, which were horrible. and In Miami. Yeah, and the uh, the master's coat that you had to wear. It's like in Harry Potter, what the teachers wear, it's the big, long coat. It's like a graduation gown kind of thing. But these were thick, and they were, they were heavy, and they were hot. I'm not going to lie. If you took it off, uh, would you be reprimanded? Oh, no, you could not take that off, girl. No? <laughs> no. You were not allowed to take that off. It was on all the time. Uh, not even when you were in your classroom by yourself, because you know they had cameras in the rooms. And they would let you know that they were watching you. Was there anything different about the students at Holy Cross from other schools you had taught at before? What was different? I think that a lot of them demonstrated more, like they were more needy, which is interesting, huh. because you, you figure they come from affluent families, but... They were like missing, I don't even know the word to say in English, but in Spanish, cariño. You know, they just they just wanted someone to feel close to or warm. And it was like a, like I was like mother figures, almost mm. what I feel like, or a big sister figure to some of them. And they just needed to talk and needed to be heard. And that, that was very impactful for me because um, it goes along very much with my personality, but it wasn't my teaching style before coming here. Even though she thought the kids needed that type of connection, it wasn't something she felt was supported by the school's leadership. There was a senior student whose father had passed. Mm -hmm. And the student was walking with his head, you know, kind of down. And I knew what was going on with him. And we kind of crossed paths in the hallway in the, in the upstairs. And uh, I said, good morning. And I said the student's name, Mr. whatever his name was. And he looked up, oh, good morning, Miss Sierra. And um, little did I know, I had one of the administrators walking behind me. Hmm. As soon as the student walked by me, I got called into the administration and said that I should never, ever say hello to a student without the student saying hello to me first. It was like disrespectful. And and it, that, that kind of like, it made me sad because this poor kid, all he wanted, you know, I don't know. And it was just a really weird from that day on, I knew I was not returning. And what broke my heart was leaving the students that I was going to leave behind, you know? Right. No, we loved you. Yeah. I couldn't work there. I could not work there. No way. Though Holy Cross Academy was growing, the monastery that it was founded upon was at a standstill. More than almost seven years after they started, Father Abbot Gregory Wendt and Father Damien Gibault hadn't recruited any new monks, and they were still the only official members of the monastery. But 
1992, that all changed. Only the newest member was not a monk. Marietta Fernandez was one of the first to welcome the new recruit. My first vision of Sister Michelle walking down the hallway dressed in her monastic habit with her big giant leather belt was like, what is this? And hello, I'm Mrs. Fernandez. Who are you? She was, Oops. I'm Michelle Lewis. I'm Sister Michelle. It is great to meet you. Are you part of the family? Who are you? Where did you come from? And was like, oh, yes, you know, I'm I've just recently started, you know, joining the monastic family here at Holy Cross Academy. And I go, where do you live? I was like, you know, I was like a little kid asking her so many questions because to me it was like, what does she do? Sister Michelle Lewis and Marietta Fernandez became fast friends or as close as a parent and a monastic could. Sister Michelle was 29 years old when she joined the monastery at Holy Cross as a nun in training. Before taking on the habit, she spent years working as an accountant and actuary. She came to Miami with her ex-husband, who she divorced several years before choosing to live at a convent. Did she tell you about what her relationship with her husband was like and like why she left? No. No. I, I think that he was verbally abusive to her because I there were maybe a couple of comments during the but and physically I think so, even though it's so hard to believe because she was just, you know I think she was a strong person and he made her very weak. You know, and maybe not self assured. You know, maybe that self esteem was killed a little how sometimes it happens yeah. in a relationship, you know? But it seems like she opened up to you as a woman, right? Like she telling did. you about that she stuff. She did. It, she was, when, when we were talking about that and those things, she was a woman. Um, even, she, even though she was a monastic, she was a woman. I mean, I've, I've grown around other, you know, uh, sisters. I've had, you know, like I told you, I went to Catholic school and I used to spend a lot of time talking to other other sisters. I used to spend a lot of time in the kitchen with them because my aunt was a teacher. <laughs> so I would have to wait till my aunt got out of school and graded all her papers. So they would send me off to the convent, go to the convent, go have, you know, a, a nice little snack until we can go home. And I used to, and they were so different, you know, they were, they were not like her. After her marriage ended, Michelle Lewis felt called to do something different with her life. Raised as a Roman Catholic, she initially wanted to become a Carmelite nun. But because she was a divorced woman, she had trouble being accepted by other Catholic orders. But then she found the monastery on Sunset Drive and was wowed by the singing of the Byzantine liturgy. She asked if there was a way for her to become a permanent member. Father Wendt believed in second chances. And you could imagine it was hard for someone like him, trying to grow an academy, to turn down Michelle and her skills in accounting. So he accepted her and made her a novice, a nun in training. She gave up all of her possessions and donated her savings to the monastery. This gave her a free home with the promise of being taken care of for life. In exchange, she prayed and served the monastery, 
but also worked tirelessly for the school. She was the accountant, so she did all the accounting for the school. Um, she taught calculus. Uh, she tutored a lot of the kids in calculus as well when they needed it. And um, she, you know, basically ran the whole office. I think that also she had a lot to do with the monastic side of the accounting. Remember, Holy Cross was separate. Sister Michelle's role expanded a few years later when the membership of the monastery started to grow again. Okay, so let's talk about the the, the candidates for a bit. What what were you told about them? Did, did they just kind of show up one day or were you told that they were going to start recruiting kids from Ukraine and all of that? Well, they pretty much showed up and um but I was told that they were there because they were interested in going into the monastic life and that they were given this opportunity to come to the United States and and leave a more difficult situation in in the Ukraine and get a an excellent education in the in the United States at the school and then possibly go into the priesthood. How did you feel about it? Did it did it strike you as odd that there were teenage kids uh, living at the school or did you just kind of accept it? Um, no, I didn't think it was too odd. I, I thought, you know, they were young, but uh, they seemed to be happy and eager to do well in school. Uh, they stood out from the regular students because they had to wear a different type of uh, outfit. They wore uh, just a very simple black suit white shirt. I don't remember if they wore a tie or not, but they weren't allowed to go to any of the dances and, you know, social activities. So what was the process for the monastic candidates? Well, okay, so they were recruited from the Ukraine. They would come here and they didn't speak English and oh they'd put them in the in the kindergarten classes with like the elementary school kids just to learn English yeah the little kids and well they told us like do not well you're not allowed to speak to the monastic candidates because you can't influence them in worldly ways that was the thing like don't influence them into secular life so you never talk to them I mean, but you would do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, we weren't supposed to, but but they were always around, you know, like the monastic candidates. There were a few, sometimes there were four or five, sometimes there were seven. And so in 2001, who, who was still there from the monastic candidates? In 2001, oh, my senior year, there were five of them. Petro, Mihailo, they had graduated, but, you know, they were still very much sleeping at Holy Cross. And then came Basil, Sasha, and Yosef. And that's who was there the year of the murder. Now this is, uh, I want to know where you were the day that you heard what had happened. I was picking up Valentina's friends and we were all going to go to the beach and got a call from my sister-in-law. Um, and she said, something's happening at the school. 
There are police, there's fire trucks. Something's going on, I think it's really bad. Can you call and find out? And I, since I was packing the girls up, I said, you know, we're gonna go, we gotta go, something's going on at school. And one of the parents called me and she lived across the street from the school in one of the big, beautiful homes that were there. And she says, um, something has happened at the school and it's, it's very bad, she said. And Father Abbott and Father Damien are on their way here to my house. We need you here. I went immediately across the street and I parked, the kids got out and the parents were like, they were crying and they were just so upset. And I said, what's happening? And Father, Father Abbott said, um, Mrs. Fernandez, um, Sister, Sister Michelle has been stabbed and, um, and she's dead. She, she's been murdered. And I was like, I was in shock. I, I, I did not, I, I couldn't breathe, you know, it was so horrid. I said, no, this is, this cannot be happening. This is a dream. This is, I go, who did it? And who stabbed her? Was, was it a break-in? Were they trying to steal something? Um, no. Um, it was one of the monastic candidates. Sacred Scandal is a production of Exile Content Studio in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. Sacred Scandal was created and produced by Melanie Bartley and me, Paula Barros. Our senior producer is Dennis Funk of Written in Air. The executive producers are Rose Reed and Nando Villa. Our production assistant is Imani Leonard. Story editing by Rachel Ward. The show is fact-checked by Kimberly Winston. Original music was composed by Patrick Hart. Audio editing by Pachi Quinones. With final audio mixing from Dixo. And special thanks on this episode to Corey Tchaikovsky, Travis Roig, and reporting from Ellis Berger. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 